Well, as I mentioned earlier, our service today is thinking about prayer. We're in a series at the moment called Focus, focusing on a different aspect that is at the heart of the life of the church each week. And this week, um, it is the turn of prayer. Martin Luther once said on the centrality of prayer that to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. He had a typically um, uncompromising way of expressing himself. But his point um, is very valid, that prayerlessness is like spiritual suffocation. It deprives us of what we need for life. Yet, unlike breathing, prayer usually, often, doesn't come naturally to us. Uh, Christians will know that it is hard to pray consistently, and that often our prayer lives, as a result of that, tragically, are a source of guilt or sorrow, which is not what they're supposed to be. And so this morning, our focus together is on prayer. And my hope is that these next few minutes together, uh, this sermon on prayer will not be something that generates guilt in us, but rather it should generate desire, a desire to pray. And so over the next few minutes, um, five points um, on prayer, Uh, four on why we pray and one on how we pray. Um, And so here is um, the five points that we're going to be looking at together. The privilege of prayer, the posture of prayer, the power of prayer, the price of prayer, and the pattern of prayer. And I know what you're thinking. He's got a little carried away with the alliteration again. Guilty as charged. Sorry about that. Um, Never mind. Um, I hope it's helpful (laughs) nonetheless. Excellent. Well, here's um, our first one, the privilege of prayer. And come with me to Romans chapter 8 and verse 14. There we read these words. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Abba is a a word in the Bible that is an intimate way of addressing God. It's similar to calling our father's daddy. It has that kind of tone to it. And here the Christian is told that we are the adopted sons and daughters of our Father God, that we are precious and loved and welcome in the Father's presence. Uh, John F. Kennedy was president of the United States in the early uh, 60s. And um, uh, have we got this picture on the screen at the moment of... um, JFK sitting behind um, his desk in the Oval Office. Um, uh, This is the Resolute desk that has been used by presidents um, ever since. And uh, whether or not you can see it at the moment, trust that there is um, a a picture um, of that. And it's become quite a a famous picture uh, because there he is behind this desk in the Oval Office of the White House, the most secure building perhaps in the world, or one of, and uh, one of the most secure offices um, in the world. And it is very difficult for anyone to get access to the president in that office. Uh, But if um, we were to see that picture zoomed out a little, 
Um, perhaps some of you will know this picture, um, even if you can't see it now. Um, there's a, a picture with his son, who's just poking his head out from underneath the Resolute desk in the Oval Office of the White House. And it is a very arresting picture, because it demonstrates that even though this is the president, totally secure, totally um, removed from the people, um, yet his son is able to have access to him, to come in and to be with him. And that reminds us as Christians that though we believe in and worship a God who is beyond this world, who is supremely powerful, nonetheless, as his children, we have access to him anytime that we want, we can come to him and know that we have his ear and he's not preoccupied with more important things. He loves to listen to his children And of course, prayer is not just asking God for things, as I mentioned earlier. Prayer comes in a whole variety of forms, whether it's confession or lament and complaint or thanksgiving and praise or, yes, asking for things. And we're to enjoy the full range of conversation with our Heavenly Father. It's helpful for us to remember that prayer isn't a work that we perform in order to gain the favour of our Father. Um, Here's um, a quote by Mike Reeves. He writes this, To know you are a beloved child of God protects you from thinking of prayer as a ladder to God or an exercise by which you work your way into his favour. Prayer doesn't make you more accepted. Instead, prayer is growing in the appreciation of what you have been given. It may be that your heart is cold, your love is weak, and your prayers are shabby. But what matters is that united to Christ and in him, you are a cherished son. We could say, or daughter. And your father delights to hear you. Prayer isn't a task we perform. It's a privilege we enjoy. Yes, sometimes it's hard to pray. Sometimes it will leave you feeling flat. Of course it will. The devil doesn't want you to pray. He'll throw every obstacle he can in your way. But don't allow a sense of guilt that you haven't prayed to remove the sense of privilege that you can. What a mighty privilege it is to be able to call God our Father. The late Jim Packer, theologian, wrote this in his famous book, Knowing God. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means he does not understand Christianity very well at all. How well do I understand Christianity? That's measured by how much I think of that thought of having God as my father. The spirit, Romans 8 tells us, doesn't make us slaves. He makes us sons and daughters, daughters of God. And so we're able to cry out to him in prayer with that intimate address, Abba, Father. That is the privilege of prayer. And now the posture of prayer. Look with me at this parable that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 18. It's a parable of two men coming to pray. Jesus said, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee 
and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by, uh, stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, and adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. We have there a parable of two men adopting two postures in prayer. And one ought to look ridiculous to us. The one who comes before God showing off about all of his apparent goodness. And one is supposed to be demonstrating the, the posture of someone who is wise and godly in their prayer. To pray with pride is just the most extraordinary contradiction and misunderstanding of what's going on. The very act of prayer is an expression of our weakness and our neediness and our insufficiency. You know, I don't often kneel to pray. Normally I'm sitting in a chair when I'm praying, but I can understand why some people find it very helpful to kneel when we pray. And if you're someone who finds it helpful to physically adopt a posture that reflects that spiritual posture of humility before God, then do that. If you've got really bad knees, you'll probably just be thinking about paracetamol rather than prayer um, if you do that. So don't do it if it's unhelpful for you. We can pray in any posture we like, but perhaps it's a helpful uh, one for you. And whether or not we adopt that physical posture, we are to adopt that spiritual, metaphorical posture of humility when we come to God. Think of how that's reflected um, in the way that we pray. Think of the way that Christian prayer expresses and promotes humility, dependence, and faith. When we confess our sins, surely that has to promote humility. That I'm not the person I should be. That I've sinned against God, I need his forgiveness. And as we make requests of God, surely that demonstrates and, and promotes a sense of dependence on God, that I need his help, that I can't just wrestle my way through today and this week without him, but I need him, so I pray. Doesn't it also demonstrate our faith in his goodness and his power, that he might actually hear and respond positively to my prayers? John Calvin called prayer the chief exercise of faith because it is a way in which I am asserting my belief in the character and the power of God. We pray because of the spiritual good it does us to remember that we need God's help, we cannot go it alone, and he is a gracious father who we trust to provide for all our greatest needs. Jesus said, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And so we humble ourselves through prayer. It expresses and promotes a posture before God of humility, dependence, and faith. That is the posture of prayer. Thirdly, the power of prayer. 
James, writing at the end of his letter, about, uh, uh, writes about the prophet Elijah in describing the power of prayer. And this is what he says. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. He was clearly scratching his head for the most dramatic example of the power of prayer in the Old Testament scriptures, and that was perhaps it. Uh, And so he concludes, uh, just before that actually, he says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Do we believe that? That our prayers are powerful? Because amazingly, God invites us to pray and he chooses to act in response to our prayers. And so our prayers can change the reality of the world around us. But often I think we don't actually really believe that. I don't believe that often. I know that because otherwise I'd pray an awful lot more than I do. Uh, The author and pastor John Hindley says, we pray so little as though it achieved so little. And our prayerlessness, if we're honest, expresses our faithlessness in God. It is powerful to change the world around us. That's why we pray, your kingdom come. We look at the way things are in the world and we say this isn't how it would be in God's kingdom, so your kingdom come. But prayer is also powerful to change us as we pray. That's why we pray your will be done. We don't come to God with a list of demands. We come with requests that we always submit to his will, submitting to his will over our own, your will be done. And as we do that, we are changed as what we will becomes more like what he wills. And so prayer changes the world, it changes us as well. But if we're considering the power of prayer, then of course that leads us to consider the difficult topic of unanswered prayer. There will be those among us, many of us I'm sure, who have been praying for things for years that we haven't seen answered, or not as we would hope. And how do we deal with the problem of unanswered prayer? Well, there is no simple or quick answer to that. Uh, But I think there are some helpful verses at the end of the letter 1 John uh, that I just want to share with you. And here they are. John writes this, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. And so in light of that, prayer is an act of searching for God's will and submitting to it. But that will often be very hard. We might all look at various circumstances and situations and think, why would God will this? Why would he allow that if he's a loving and good and powerful God? The simple answer is, we don't know. We often don't know the answer to those questions. And so those moments are when trusting God, perhaps most particularly, goes from theory to practice. Do I really trust him with the things I don't understand, that I just don't get? 
And that is when the prayer, your will be done, becomes the greatest expression of faith. It will be hard, but we need to trust that God's character, that his wisdom is greater than ours. And yet we do that in faith that there will be a day when every prayer in line with God's will, well, it will either now or will be then fulfilled with one almighty yes until that day when his kingdom fully comes and we have nothing left to ask for. But until that day, we pray because of the power of prayer. Fourthly, the price of prayer. If we are struggling with unanswered prayer, then it's perhaps helpful to remember that we are in good company because Jesus himself had an unanswered prayer that we're going to look at now in Mark 14, here in the Garden of Gethsemane. It says this, they went to a place called Gethsemane and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James and John along with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. The cup that Jesus mentions there is a picture, a metaphor of God's judgment and wrath. We still use that phrase, the poisoned chalice. And it comes from a time when kings were assassinated by poison being put in their cup. And so that became a picture, a metaphor of God's judgment. And Jesus was anticipating at this moment in the garden, the night before his crucifixion, that he would be nailed to a cross, that he would suffer terribly as the judgment of God for human sin would thunder down upon him. And so in this moment of desperation, of deep sorrow and anguish to the point of death, he prays, take this cup from me. What might we expect in a moment like that from a loving heavenly father? Yes, of course, my boy, of course. Don't think of it again. I'll take it away. But that's not what happens. There is one terrible heavenly silence. Why? Why would God allow his son to suffer in that way? Why wouldn't he answer that prayer? The answer is the gospel. God treated Jesus as we deserve. That we, if we believe and trust in him, might be treated as Jesus deserved. Jesus' prayer went unanswered because Jesus had to drink the cup of God's wrath, which he did when he suffered and died on the cross. And he did so in order that he might receive the penalty that we deserve so that we, if we turn to him in faith, could be, become the forgiven children of God with access to him as our heavenly father. Jesus' prayer found rejection that ours might receive reception. Why do we pray? Look at what it cost him. 
Look at what Jesus paid that you and I might have access to the Father in prayer. How could we decline such a pricely privilege? He gave his blood that you and I can walk into the throne room of God and pray. And it fills me with longing to pray. It also fills me with regret for all of the hours I have spent wasting on my social media feed when I could have been in the presence of God, my Father, in prayer. How many hours wasted? I didn't plan to say this, but I'm reminded of something that John Piper wrote uh, quite a few years ago now. He wrote that um, one of the greatest uses of Twitter and Facebook on the final day will be to prove that our prayerlessness was not for lack of time. (laughs) The irony is he tweeted that. (laughs) But his point is valid nonetheless. What a privilege it is to prayer. What a costly price Jesus paid that you and I might pray. Why do we pray? Look at what it cost Jesus that we could. And so finally, thinking about how we pray, a very quick word on the pattern of prayer. The pattern of prayer that Jesus gave us in Matthew chapter six. Uh, Look at these verses. Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says, but when you pray, notice he doesn't say if you pray, the assumption is we will. When you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And then Jesus gives us this pattern for prayer. This then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so if you're left after this talk wanting more to pray, and that's been my prayer in preparing for today, perhaps you're, you're one of those people like me that sometimes struggles to know how to pray, what to pray. You sit down in the morning to pray and you think, what should I pray? Lord, forgive you my sins, amen. Um, Lord, please help me today, amen. And you're thinking, what do I pray? Well, here is a simple pattern, outline for how to pray. Um, I expect most of us probably know the Lord's Prayer off by heart. If you don't, then learn it. It's a great one. But how often we pray the Lord's Prayer without really praying it at all. We're just reciting words that we were taught when we were children. Well, this is a pattern for prayer that will help bring the Lord's Prayer to life for you, I hope, um, in a new way. Take each line of that prayer and expand upon it. So you might sit down in the morning and say, our Father in heaven, and pause there and just thank God that you can address him as your Father because of the gospel of Jesus that allows you uh, to be his child. And thank him that even though he's up in heaven, he cares about what's going down in your life here on earth. And that because he's on his throne in heaven, he has all the power and resources in the universe to answer our prayers. Hallowed be your name. Spend some time praising God 
praising him for the gospel, praising him for, your, for the blessings that you've seen in your life, thanking him for the beautiful view outside your window if you've got one. And then you pray your kingdom come and you look at the world around and you think of what God's kingdom will be and you see this great chasm between the two and you pray asking God to bring more of what his kingdom will be like into this world now. You pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and you look around at all the ways in which God's will is not done and you pray that those things would change. Now I'm gonna pause there before going through the rest of the Lord's Prayer because in a few minutes' time, I'm going to lead us in our prayers together. And to um, help with this, I'm going to use the Lord's Prayer as a framework for those prayers. It will be a bit different to normal, um, but hopefully um, it will be a helpful example of how we might use the Lord's Prayer to pray. And so that is the pattern for prayer that Jesus has given us. And so we pray because of the privilege, the posture, the power, and the price of prayer. And we do so following the pattern of prayer that Jesus has given us. May we be a church, individually, collectively, who believe in and practice prayer for all of those reasons, for the growth of God's kingdom and the glory of his name. Now, for the reasons I've just said that I'm about to pray, I'm not going to pray right now. Instead, I'm going to leave a few moments of quiet uh, for you to reflect, even pray in your own hearts at home. And then we're going to uh, share together in that great hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Indeed it is. And so a few moments of quiet now, and then we will sing together.